Well, hello everybody and good afternoon from Melbourne where my guest is joining me from Melbourne as well. In fact, he's like 15, 20 minutes away, which is super rare for this podcast, usually for people from all other corners of the globe. But welcome along to episode 84 of the Hunger for the Hustle podcast. I am excited today to be joined by my friend, I know him as Gen Z. His name is actually Matthew Gen Z. Uh, Matthew Jens, actually, is your name, isn't it, Matt? I should get that right. It is. Not many people know it as anything Jensy. There you go. It was like that for me before I moved here. Everyone used to call me something completely different. Uh, some 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 things quite offensive actually, but that's Was it a derogatory it. term? What was it? Let's, let's... <laughs> well, no, I could. My name Jacob J A C O B, and for some reason I got tagged with the name Cobhead, and everyone used to call me Cobhead. <laughs> Like Wait, let me write this down. Hang on, hang on. I've got to tell the boys. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cobhead or Cobb is what I used to get called. But um, look, it's a pleasure to welcome you on the on the show, mate. Really fitting for this podcast because you know you did um, like I did up until last year. Worked in a role working for someone else for a long time, but this year in the pandemic, you went out on your own and you didn't just start one business. You started two. Gen Z is the owner yes. operator of. Two businesses born out of a pandemic. One is a coffee company called Beans to an End, and another is an events production company called Gig Control. So, Jesse, just tell us a bit more about you. You know how you got to the point where you are now, and um, yeah, a bit, bit more about the world of Matthew Jens. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of a. I'm very much a what you see is what you get type, I suppose. Um, I I was yeah. I, I really enjoyed. Roasting coffee, it was kind of just a thing that I loved doing for uh, for years, really. Like we never we, – we drink a, a relatively, you know, standard amount of coffee um, in our house and after a while I got sick of just buying roasted coffee despite loving it. And I'm in, I'm in Fitzroy, which is a coffee mecca. And then we just started um, buying green beans instead, roasting it in my backyard. And uh, then when the pandemic hit, it just – everything sort of – fell apart in the events world and so i started roasting coffee on a on a on a more substantial basis instead instead of um and set up the business so yeah so i guess there's a couple of facets to it really there's there's like the events side of things i've been a production manager for about mm, i've been in the events business for like over 10 years and production managing for most of those um and then that was kind of a lot of what my life was, was, was events, um, mainly big events, music festivals and stuff like that. Uh, and there's not too many of those going on at the moment. Um, more now than there was last year, but certainly less than there was two years before that. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So I, life I for me now that. is... Yeah, I didn't know that about the coffee, mate. Because I, I saw pictures of you roasting coffee and I thought, I didn't know that was something you just did because you like doing it right because it's nice, of course, like anything to make, make and produce your own stuff. Um, I thought actually you, you know, you were roasting purely for the purpose of starting a business. So it kind of came out of maybe somewhat of a hobby and then you thought, why not actually make, you know, a bit, bit of profitable business out of this? Yeah, well, it's it was kind of a funny thing because I was always roasting it for myself, um, purely out of passion, just out of fun. Like I would just, um, you know, we'd have a month where because when you're buying green beans, you buy them in sacks. We're not talking like bags. We're talking sacks, and so you'd buy yeah. say like five kilos of Brazil and five kilos of Ethiopia. Um, and coffee is an amazing, hilarious thing compared to something like 
wine, where often you'll have a wine from a certain time period and region and you'll really enjoy it for what it is and um, you'll keep it as that product to enjoy by itself. But with coffee, yeah. it's kind of funny because you'd be like, oh, this is delicious. Oh, this is also delicious. Let's mix them together. Like it's kind of like this oh. weird craziness where everyone's mixing everything together and then producing their own blends. So um, I got really into that just on, just on a, on a hobby perspective. So we'd have, um, I'd experiment with different roasting temperatures and different, uh, different kinds of coffee from all over the world and different ways of roasting and methods. And eventually I got a nice little roaster at home, but it's only enough to do a couple of hundred grams at once. Um, and then yeah, the pandemic hit, all the events went, I sat and stared at the roof for a number of weeks before I said, that's it. I'm bored. Um, and started roasting a lot more coffee just purely give me something to do, giving it to friends and family, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I was encouraged to to uh, get out there and actually start selling it. So it's funny though, man, because the – so just to explain for those of you at home, Beans to an End is the coffee company, plug, plug, plug. Um, and the whole reason it exists is basically to – uh, try and enact a bit of good in the community. So it's not just selling coffee for coffee's sake. It's actually every single bag that we sell um, donates, a month, uh, donates a dollar to charity as well. Um, got two charities on board at the moment. Because I basically figured it to be, and I'm ranting, I know, but I figured it to be basically when the pandemic hit, it probably is a little bit on topic because, you know, business-related podcast, but when the pandemic hit, the world, Australia specifically, was in a pretty specific situation where we we weren't exactly in the middle of a recession. Like the markets weren't that bad. Like people in general were doing okay. So it was kind of funny when this pandemic hit and everyone's locked in their homes and especially in Melbourne um, because we were financially, you know, in a broad sense, pretty good. So it was yeah. the hi-fi market. I do a lot of stuff with hi-fi. You can see the speakers behind me and the headphones and blah, blah, blah. Um, the hi-fi and headphone game went crazy like the unprecedented sales across the world because everyone's stuck at home they've got money um so from my perspective watching all of this unfold i was like not so much interested in the fact that people had money but what i had noticed more so was that people wanted to do good people wanted to help um people sort of feel hopeless when they're stuck in their home they can't leave they can't get out it's it's kind of a funny thing because everyone's like doing really nice things for their for their um for their neighbours, for, for everyone else. Like I've got a friend, Sammy Swain, who created this Im amazing group of people um, that would basically just have these networks around Melbourne and Australia that would just help each other called like, uh, sorry, Sammy, I can't remember the name. I think it was the Neighbourhood Watch, but it was an incredible initiative. Um, and so I just figured that, yeah, people have money to spend. People want to help other people. What's a good way to give them that, give people what they're after? And I just thought delicious coffee and, and giving to charity, it's like, yeah, it's it just makes sense to me, man. Yeah, I think that's a, a really great way to look at it. You know, if when you can, someone said to me the other day on a podcast, I was on the trip. They were like, the more money you get, kind of a, a, like a great way to look at it, a new perspective it gave me is the more money you get, the more money you have, the more money you generate, the more people you can help with that money if you so want to and so wish to. Correct. So, starting that from the start of a business, predicating that okay, every, a small amount of the profit we make, every every dollar or every bag you sell for yourself. It's going to go to charity, and that's like that's the value of the business and all of the business. I actually think you know that's a fantastic thing to do. Of course, it drives money for charity, but it's actually a smart thing to do from the business end as well. 
because if someone's looking out there to buy coffee, they want to buy from a small business that's local, they know it's going to be freshly made because it's been made locally, so it hasn't had to travel far. There's no big distance of transport time. And also they're like, well, shall I choose this one? Shall I choose this one? I might go for this one because this one actually has a charitable side of it as well. So I know as well as me enjoying my coffee, there's a little bit of me that can sit there smug and go, I've done a good thing here by drinking this, as well as enjoying some locally made stuff. Um, and I think also on that note, people are going to go back, you know, people are going back on their droves to locally made, to Australian made, to, you know, country of origin made stuff. I think that's a big thing that's come out of the pandemic. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny, man, because like, you're exactly right. Um, I've, I've had customers, you know, I've had one issue, you know, being a small business with one customer where I, I can't remember what happened. I think my shipment was delayed to him or something like that. Uh, so I felt a bit bad. So I gave him the coffee for free. Um, and he turned around and wouldn't accept it. And so he went directly to one of the charities that the bag was supporting and gave them the money directly through a donate button on their website instead to the value of the coffee. And I was like, that's really cool. Like if that's, if that's the kind of just little things that are happening that's being generated as a result of the business, like that's, that's really cool. Um, and, you know, I drink a lot of coffee now, so it's, that's a win. Like, <laughs> that's great news. I don't drink coffee. I never have. Just, that's it. Uh, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone. I've lost it. Oh, I'm always keen for trying new stuff, and I'd love to try some of yours. I'll tell you the reason I don't drink coffee, um, and it's probably just something I saw when I was a kid, but when I see people get up in the morning and they just can't get going without it, and I'm like, oh, I don't need that. I've got an addictive personality, and I don't need another thing that I need to depend on to get me going. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's completely great. fair. Um, it's actually it's actually completely admirable as well. I think it's I think it's fantastic. That's the viewpoint that you take. Um, I yeah, I mean it's one thing to be incredibly wary of when you're dealing with any drug, and caffeine is a drug. So you know it's it's something that you should always be conscious of. And good on you for being conscious of it, for sure. Yeah, but look, I, I'd, I'd I'd still like to try some coffee just because it's made in Melbourne. I'd like to try that. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of coffee made in Melbourne, right? I know there's a place down the road from me here. I'm in Balaclava that makes it. But there's I mean, heaps where everywhere, man. I'll roast you some decaf. We'll, we'll, we'll get yeah, the I'll, I'll that. I'll tell you what's funny, <laughs> because, um, as, as you would know, mate, I've got back into the gym recently. It's something I kind of swing in and out, but very at the moment, I'm very much back into it and getting back to. Um, you know what the what the pre-COVID body was, and just getting back to that mindset of healthiness yep. and keeping moving and keeping in motion. I know you do a lot of jiu-jitsu, which we'll get into in a bit, which is along the yep. same line, keeping moving. Um, but I I've taken so taking a new pre-workout supplement. It's new. I've taken it before, but in there it has two and a half cups worth of caffeine. Two and a half coffee cups worth of caffeine. And man, I took the first dose, and I was Whoa. like. Oh my work God. Out. Okay, it's going to subside now. No, it hasn't. Have a, have a meal. <laughs> have a Going to bed, I'm like, yes, this is going to be a tough night. And it was like one of the nights a few nights ago, and it was like 36, 37 or something. Of so course. Yeah. Sleep anyway. So yeah, half doses of that now. <laughs> um, definitely like a good meal before it. Just insane. But uh, I mean, the training and the focus it gives you is pretty, pretty, pretty damn good. Yeah. You were telling me just off camera before, obviously, you do some jiu-jitsu. We actually still haven't been for a role yet. We need to sort that out. Oh, we uh, haven't. Wow. Okay. Well, I keep forgetting that. Yeah. Are they all, most of the gyms open now? Yes. Yep. Um, jiu-jitsu is back in full swing Australia-wide, which is mm. great. 
Yeah. And you got issued warrant to take your purple belt, right? Uh, I've... Yeah, I've been asked to, to at least attempt for it. I can't talk about it too much. I've, I've been asked to at least attempt for it in a couple of weeks' time. So, yeah, fingers crossed. We'll see how we go. Very, yeah, I'm actually going now because I know, I, I know you've got, um, you know, you've got family, you've got a daughter as well, and you've got these two businesses going on. You've got jiu-jitsu, you know. I know you do some stuff with high-end headphones. We'll get into that yeah. in a bit. Matt, what's your – how do you kind of balance it all out and how do you kind of schedule it all and make sure everything gets – you know, a fair end of that seesaw? Yeah, no, that's a great question. It's, it's quite funny because um, I, uh, in, this is going to be a little bit confusing and backwards, but um, I will often hear people tell me that I'm quite well self, like self-managed um, when in reality, I don't think I am. I, I don't think I'm self-managed at all. I, I find myself to be really unorganized, which scares mm. me into forcing myself to be organized. So like I've got calendars and note lists and I've got a schedule that I run to and I'm pretty strict about my training and how much time I dedicate to each business and all this kind of stuff. But I do that out of fear of I don't think I'm very organized. And so um, it's it's it, I don't want to I don't want to say that the answer to your question is born of fear, but um, it's just you really do have to find that balancing act. It's seriously difficult, and it's something you have to take a lot of pride in and take yes. it really seriously. Especially like you said, I've I've, I've got a family here as well, um, and uh, you never want to neglect any of that side of your life. And it, it just everything needs that little bit and, you know, keep the plates spinning all at once. Um, mm. But as long as you're self-managed and as long as you can keep everything. One trap actually that I find that I found really quickly is um, if you have too much confidence in your own memory and remembering things and organising yourself and you say, oh, I don't need to write down, I don't need a calendar, I don't need this, I don't need that, that's a huge trap and that's where mistakes happen. So. All my stuff is really, you know, if you ask me what are you doing Thursday next week, I can do a couple of clicks and I can tell you exactly what I'm, what yeah. I'm doing. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, just self-management is key and just make being conscious of the balance between everything in life and not paying too much attention to some things and even knowing that at some points in your life some things will take over and they will need a lot of attention then you can just back off after a while and spend the time on the other stuff as well. Um, just mm -hmm. being conscious of it, yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think you answered that really well, mate, because I'll tell you something I struggled with, you know, I went through the transition of I worked for I'd had my own businesses here and there and I'd had side hustles, but I'd always come back to working for someone else because uh one of several reasons, mainly the reason that the businesses didn't work out. But this time around I made sure that I built the side hustle up to a point where I knew it was already flowing and growing and working. So I wasn't there wasn't this danger of, oh, it has actually worked out, I'm going to have to go back to employment. But it was quite tough, I found, for me to balance the schedule out and to, because it was like, and, and like we said off camera before, it's like, okay, you want to make the move, okay, you've made the move, now here's all the freedom and you've got to figure out all the discipline and I think as a young man, that's not always the easiest thing to do. I guess, mm, and I'm guessing here, but I guess having a family already might help you a little bit with it. Uh, it does, yeah, it does, because um, you kind of get this uh, – it's kind of funny because when you're working for someone else, you're the paddock blade. You're the one that's always trailing behind. You've got the path to follow. You know exactly where you're meant to be going. You know exactly which direction you're meant to be heading in. There's a blueprint for you. You've got rules. You've got regulations, um, which you still have when you're a business owner, but much more to the point of, like, say, tax, for example, 
Um, taxation is a funny thing where you get advice, you have to do it yourself. And the tax, you know, it's kind of a funny situation with the ATO where they're like, here's the guidelines for doing it. We'll wait until you've done it and then we'll let you know if you've done it right or not. Like it's, it's an unusual feedback loop and it's the same with many things in business, advertising, marketing. You sort of just have to do it and make it happen and then just watch the feedback, watch it roll back through as opposed to having someone tell you, Hey, you got to do this uh, this many posts a week. You got to do this many things. You got to get the packaging looking like this. Here's the story you're trying to tell with your Instagram. All this sort of stuff. There's no rule book for it. You just have to. Um, you just have to listen. And a lot of business owners prefer having a having a blueprint set for them. So they'll they'll get marketing strategists to tell them exactly how to do stuff. And and yeah. and, and that's very very um, good idea for doing for new businesses especially. But um, it was just funny for me being like. But which marketing person do I get? Like, there's always weird new choices and decisions popped up. So um, mm. now, now, now I'm the motorbike slash horse, whatever I choose to be carrying yeah. my paddock blade with. Yeah, that's it. By the way, paddock blade is a business I own. It's a machine that picks up horses. Oh, anyone oh, oh, I didn't realize. Huh. <laughs> oh, my paddock blade snack of cash has just arrived. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Official affiliate, the Fitzroy affiliate. Paddockblade.com. <laughs> on that note, mate, did, did you, you know, when you're building business and, and some people kind of seek out a mentor or someone to follow or in some way they see someone that's already done what, they've, what they're what they going for and they replicate parts of what they've done, did you find anyone in that in that sense? Sorry, dude, can you repeat that question again? I'll go right, to yeah, did like you, as you went kind of, <laughs> as you went into business, did you, was there anyone that you kind of followed or? as a mentor at level or anyone you kind of thought, okay, they're kind of done what I'm saying out to do here. I might check out how they've done it and just replicate a few parts of my own business. Absolutely. Uh, honestly, like I, I know it sounds like such a cliche answer, but um, yeah, my old man, like he was in real estate working for someone else up until roughly my age, eerily enough before he broke off and started his own business, um, which, which ended up being really successful. Um, and now he's in a position where he spends a lot of his time, um, in a in a charitable role, um, no. which and that blueprint for me and he's helped me out a lot with 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 um, with my inner workings with a bit of like guidance, both business wise and personal, about how to do things because that basic trajectory that he's outlaid, where you basically start off business, make it a really good thing, and then spend your spend your later years um, just in literally just helping out um, charitable causes. That to mm -hmm. me is like perfect way to live life. And for me, that's that's kind of a long-term plan that I'm happy to enact for myself as well. Um, and yeah, that's 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 probably the biggest business role model I've had as my old man. Yeah, no, it's my great role model. And, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me at all that he started the business kind of roughly the same age you are. And, uh, you know. Completely yeah. coincidental. I just happened to ask him the other really? day. I was, like, oh, I was yeah. like, hey, how are you? Yeah. And he was like, oh, you know, early 30s. I was like, oh, this is weird. Yeah, I mean, you could say it's coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence myself. I think it's um, you know, patterns. Some patterns we get patterns from our parents and we reproduce them. And uh, some are good and some are bad, but that's definitely a good one. <laughs> yeah. What have I got on my neck? Oh, I got choked. This I was doing jujitsu this morning, and somebody gave me a a choke. I was trying to figure that out. I just could see it in the camera. Oh, shout out to well, Tim let's, Baker. Let's talk about jujitsu. How long have you done that for? Um, I've, it's kind of embarrassing. I've done it since 2014, um, yeah. which is quite a long time. Um, however, my defense for not being as, as I guess, advanced as some of my peers who have done it for 
shorter amounts of time um, is that I'm often getting tied up with events in the summer, so I sort of have to take long periods of time off. That's what I keep telling myself anyway. That's an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is, is, is the most amazing thing in my life. It's something that, well, not the, well, not the most amazing, but it's up there. Um, it's a pretty incredible thing. I often train uh, very early in the mornings. There's a very tight knit group of us at Absolute MMA in the CBD that do the same thing. Um, we are the lovingly known as the morning crew. And we all, um, yeah, we're very close-knit and it's an amazing thing to do, to wake up as early as you can, go and roll around on the ground and get choked and then basically nothing else that you do that day is going to scare you. Like nothing. You could walk into the most difficult meeting. You could walk into, you know, someone could be angry at you on the road. None of that's going to phase you because you basically – you've already run this entire gamut of human emotion in the morning. You've been tired, you've been excited, then you've been scared and then you've been aggressive and you've had this whole gamut has already been taken care of. And so that when you proceed with the rest of your day, you've already got this mindset of, cool, I'm just ready for whatever comes. I'm not, I'm not in a position where I'm angry and looking to get aggressive. I'm not in a position where I'm miserable or, or too anxious or excited to get things done properly. I'm just calm and ready for the day that's that's kind of one of the main advantages of it for me yeah yeah that's that's huge man i think um the same can be said for a lot of sports that people get involved in i mean like the same can be said for really any kind of combat sports tie boxing boxing mm. i know obviously jiu-jitsu is a bit different so well it's completely different to both of those things but um i think you know expecting that amount of energy particularly if you choose to do it in the morning it, like you said, it really can level you out. You know, it gets rid of anxieties. It gets rid of it. Certainly, it certainly breaks down your ego and just lets you oh yeah, the true side of yourself and the egotistical side of yourself. Yeah. Especially, especially if someone happens to choke you at like ten to six in the morning. I mean, oh yeah, you know, yeah, you, yeah, you, 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 <laughs> brings you down, brings you down a peg or two. I mean, yeah, I have no near as much experience uh, with it as you. I've really only done it for kind of a few months. Yeah, it's something I definitely want to get back into. At the moment, with uh, a groin uh, hernia, it's probably not the best sport to be. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. We were talking about yeah, that. Oh, yeah, man, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, kind of actually, it's been interesting because yesterday was leg day, and I was like, "That's the day where it gets tested." I'm like, "If I go too hard on this leg press today, I'm gonna feel that like burning. I'm gonna feel it like of course. push out." Um, and that hasn't happened for a while now, but it doesn't mean that I shouldn't. Uh, should neglect it because there's something that just don't fix themselves. The only way you can fix a hernia is with surgery. So, yeah, I know uh, when that happens, it's going to put me out for maybe a month or two, maybe Yeah, three. that's rough. And then rehab after that, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, it took a while to get the strength back. But yeah. I was like, I'm going to go into that strong, as strong as I can possibly be. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, it took a while to get the to get the operation to come through anyway. So, yeah. It was since I had an operation, actually. I think the last time I was operated on, was when someone was kind enough to break my nose for me and they had to fix it up. Come on, what happened? You can't just leave uh, us hanging like that. No, 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 come on. What did you do? What did you say? Paint the picture. I'll go full disclosure here and tell this story. This was back in Birmingham when I was probably 21 or 22. And at the time, I used to sell drugs, right? I used to sell cocaine. And I was in this club selling drugs and this guy took what drugs were you selling jacob i was selling cocaine okay 
Cool, just clarifying. Well, what we got them. We've got the bag off in the in the club, and he didn't give me the money, and he wouldn't give me the money. And next thing I knew, I was outside the club with a very bloody nose, and a friend of mine put me into a taxi, and. Uh, went to the hospital, I think, a couple of days later, and they just and they got and the doctor was like, "Look, you just you just sit there. I'm just going to fix it for you." And he was like doing this and that and trying to manipulate it, and and I was there just looking at it like this isn't working and it really hurts. And he got, and like after he was like he was, he was grimacing. That's how hard he was trying to push my oh, nose back dude. in. And I was like, oh, um and. Yeah, then I was like, no, he goes, no, you're going to have to be operated on And they fixed it. And, you know, I've, I've, I've not got the smallest nose in the world. It's it looks great. Happy. Your nose looks fantastic. Actually, it was almost like a little nose job because we used to have like these yeah. all like these adenoids. Um, if you, if you were like, in Birmingham, you know, roughly 10 years ago and you bought rack off someone and didn't pay them and then punched them in the face, thank you. Thank you for making Jacob look so beautiful today. I appreciate it. Another funny part of the story is that um, they had CCTV of the guy who did it, who was someone who's quite notorious and the police were after this guy and they had him for a while and they were very keen um, and approached me to give evidence against this guy. Against this guy. I was like, there's no way I could do that. And then funnily enough, you know, they asked me, asked me, asked me, kept pushing it back. And then this is the funny part of the story because this actually led me to my first plane ticket to Australia. They about <laughs> he's on the lamp. <laughs> how about this? How about this? Right, victims of crime. They sent me a check for eighteen hundred dollars a oh. year later as, as a as a victim of crime. For no, it was eighteen hundred pounds. It was wow. almost three thousand dollars. They sent me victims of crime. <laughs> That's amazing. I was like, who says crime doesn't pay? Um, and then I bought my first. <laughs> I bought my first ticket to Australia with that. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. How cool is that? And I hope my parents don't ever watch this podcast because they're going to... Oh, they're watching. Defat's watching as well. Defat's going to get you. You're going home, son. Going home. You're going down, son. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and that I bought my first ticket to Australia, and, and here I am five years later, aptly on Australia Day, which we were talking about just before we came on, which you didn't even know was Australia Day. How about Australia? If you ever come to Australia, guys, often people know there's a public holiday, but they don't care or know why. So that's an interesting fact for you. Um, but no, I, I, Australia for me, I mean, usually we're at Rainbow Serpent, which is a festival that. Um, of course, yeah. And, and I'd, I'd usually be working as well somewhere. somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we're part of a crew called OGC, which is our friendship crew, has been for years. And we would all be there running our theme camp. Then you wouldn't probably be somewhere else working, but. Um, running our theme camp, which is, man, we run a theme camp and we fit like 150 people in there, but I'm going well off topic here. My point it's famous. Is, it's a famous camp. Yeah, where we usually be is, is, you know, one of Australia's biggest and best festivals, um, and the camp is famous. OGC, Psychedelic Cinema, it's called. Um, that's where we usually be this time of year. This, this time we're not, but for me it's always a very special day because it reminds me, like, how blessed I was to come to this country find my own way, learn entrepreneurship, learn how to find my way in the world as a young man and really kind of find my, my freedom and, and in, a, in a place that welcomed me so openly and, and that really aligns with who I am because I'm a super just chilled out, quite relaxed person and this is a super chilled out, relaxed place. So it works very well for me. It's great, man. Shout out to the OGC. 
Shout out to OGC, shout out to everyone who made me welcome in this country and shout out to shout out to Australia. How about that? Nice. Best country in the world. <clears throat> now let's get into challenges, Gen Z, because it's not easy setting up businesses. And I mean, and you went forth in a time when look, a lot of people struggling, and there still is a lot of people struggling, and there'll be fallout from that. There'll be a lot of people that don't understand the struggles, you know, when some of these government payments end, it's a reality, it's gonna happen. Um, but you went forth and went in another direction and, and seized these, what were perceived as problems and challenges by a lot of people and pulled that back and saw those opportunities and seized them. So props to you for doing that, mate. But there must have been a fair amount of challenges along the way. So, yeah, man, share some of those with us. I mean, there still is. The, 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 the events industry in Australia is in such a bad place right now. Um, it's, it's still... It's, it's heartbreaking to see, um, like I'm happy to go out on a limb here and just say it, it's heartbreaking to watch a lot of other businesses and sectors in Australia go back to normal or close to normal and the events industry is still completely decimated. It's, um, it's often uh, rare and exciting for when people say, I have a gig. The fact that they even have work is often something to be celebrated and heralded in the community. It's 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 often enough to actually post on your social media about and tell your parents, you know, I got to do a gig. It's it's um, and it's uh, horrifying to see it because, you know, we I I'm blessed in that I'm able to do events at the moment, small events, all COVID safe, and some of the people that are coming on to these events, they're like, this is the first gig I've done in 316 days. You know, this is the first gig I've done in four in, in 200 days. It's, it's horrifying hearing it. Um, and much like you said, you know, there's, there's job seeker and job keeper, uh, which is slowly tapering off. Um, whereas for our industry, it's still left in such a, such a, 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 a shambles place. Like it's not, we don't have a roadmap for how things are going to like people pointing to the vaccine saying vaccine's going to fix everything, but they're not you know, rollouts question mark. There's all these other things that, um, and a lot of people don't understand it as well. Like a lot of people aren't businesses, business owners, like I am like a lot of people, you know, the people who are really, really, really happy to be building barrier, to be pushing cases, to be doing all this stuff, the grunt work, the gears that actually make events, festivals happen. These people are the heart and soul of, of the, of the events industry and a lot of them don't understand what's happening like i'm still getting phone calls from people being like even half you know in the middle of the lockdown they call me and they say do you have any work and i'd say well no dude no one has any work like it's yeah. Yeah, and so yeah so it, it, so a bit of a rant there but regarding your your question on challenges it's it still is it still is a challenge every, every single event that uh, that gig control is looking after is a huge challenge. Um, there's there's always uh, the ever changing landscape that is COVID safe events. It is something that uh, every event handles it differently. You know, we we'll, we'll do events up in Brisbane, in Melbourne. There's different regulations for how to do things there, and even when there are regulations, the Department of Health can pop in at any time and say, actually, this, this, and this, and change things on you. Um, so it's, 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 which is fine in and of itself. Usually when there's more events and more money in the industry, you'd say, cool, the workload is increased. We're going to have to charge you a bit more and all this kind of stuff's fine. But because there's less people going to the events, there's less money in the industry. It just means everyone's having a hard time. Um, and it's, you know, little stuff. Like you think about it. If I had say, uh, 
a live stream event at a venue in Melbourne, which we did in December. And I called up a lighting company and said, I need, you know, X amount of lights to go on the roof. Can you please bring them in for the event? Here's the plans. They said, cool. When they arrived on site, they had to test and tag individually every single lighting fixture, which is stuff that you usually just do throughout the year because they're always going out every weekend, but yep. they hadn't gone out in six, six to eight months. So they're just like getting this event ready took us ages because we had to test every single fixture. We had to tag every single fixture. And it's little stuff like that. It's just these little pressure points all over the events industry right now that are really when I'm starting to become a manager, you know, when I'm in this management role with a new business, I'm seeing all these pressure points and it's sort of the challenge is watching and, and, and accommodating for this ever-changing landscape. That's That, to me, is the biggest challenge. Um, yeah. the, the, the challenges within having a coffee roasting company is just not drinking too much coffee. That's that's a big challenge. <laughs> that's pretty straightforward. Yeah. On, on the event side, like, I mean, I... I like to learn the baptism of fire or I'm a, I'm a doer uh, and that's how I learn. I learn by doing things. And I think really you, you would have had a bit of a baptism of fire there with the events business. And look, let's fast forward to two, three, four, five years down the line. You will find because you did it so difficult and tough at the start, it will be really interesting then to look back and go, wow, do you remember we had to do it all these crazy ways and all these restrictions and all these rules yeah. and all paperwork and stuff? So I think yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's hard now and it's tough now, but actually that will play out later to actually you, you being in a stronger position and a much more experienced business owner and operator of the business. So I think there's pluses in that regard. But, like, where are we at with, like, where are we actually at with events at the minute? Because I've seen some big, like, Picnic Electronic was on, uh, My Music Bowl, Cole Cox, Eric Powell playing. They're pretty big names. Like, yep. what kind of thing, like, I'm thinking, like, how are they actually affording I guess that I saw they did it over two or three days, so maybe that's how they're figuring it out. But like, how? What's the maximum amount of people you can actually have at an event? It, it, so um, a couple of things to touch on there. The first one is that event was run by uh, the picnic crew, a fantastic bunch of people. And shout out to Kevin Carlberg. Uh, so the that that event specifically is a state-run um, initiative to give people in the events industry some work basically because they are wow. acknowledging that we're in a bad place. So what they've done is they've put on a season of shows at the bowl and I'm actually looking after a number of them as well. Um, one this weekend and one next weekend. It's a bit of fun. And what they've done is they've actually created scaffolding pods so that if wow. you buy a ticket to one of these shows, you'll get a little scaffolding pod for you and whoever you've come with. And uh, so it's all completely socially distant. The maximum capacity is roughly 3,000, I think. For that event, um, and that's in a socially distant setting. Uh, the it's really cool they're doing that. It's also kind of funny in a way because they're setting a standard that is also a little bit tricky for people to reach because the margins, like the, the cost of doing something like that, it would be enormous. So it's great that they're doing it. Um, it's also being aware of the fact that if that is the standard that people have to adhere to, it's also bit of a grim look at, at, at the events industry scope. But, you know, I, I looked after an event um, for, you know, 14, 1,500 people on the weekend um, that had COVID safe practice involved. And that was great. It was awesome. And that was, um, for me, that was that really uh, shot a lot of life into me. I was like, cool, we're getting somewhere. This, this wasn't a thing, uh, you know, six months ago. You'd, yeah. I'd be telling you you're crazy if you're doing a 1,400-person event in That's January. Photo of. I posted a video of it. Um, it was pretty dark, pretty smoky. Was it a timber yard? 
know if it was a lot. Yes, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Front cool yeah, man. I saw that photo and you were like, let there be gigs. And I saw it and I was oh, like, yeah. there it is. There's, there's, there's a bit of the dust there, a bit of the smoke. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's mad for me because you know me, Jansia. I like to party like the best of them um, sometimes for one or two days at a time without any dramas. But at the moment, I'm on a massive health kick and in the middle of a, an eight-week training plan to, to transform. Oh, really? So, yeah, yeah. So that's that's part of this plan at the minute is like nutrition's on, supplements on. Nice. So once a day in the gym, like hundreds of reps every day and then cardio morning and evening. So like halfway through. Oh, that's my, dude, that's, that's a lot. That's big. It's a lot. It's a lot. And it doesn't leave any room for alcohol or any party in. Um, at the start, I actually, I had to hit, even had to get used to socialising and like going out, but not drinking, which is a bit different. But um, I can always kind of take or leave alcohol anyway. But it's now I'm like, oh, man, the world is opening up, and there's actually gigs there, and uh, I want to go to them. And it's it's a weird thing because I'm like, obviously, I'm going to hold out. I've got discipline. I'm not going to like jump jump into it and ruin the whole thing I've been working towards for the past several weeks. But at the same time, I'm like. Man, we could just, and this is the reality, right? And I've got to say this, it is how it is. You could get a random outbreak tomorrow. God forbid it does not happen and everything could get closed off again, you know. Correct, yep. Events, one of the first things that they'll go, yeah, that's not happening anymore. Particularly when it's parties and everyone's mixing and mingling uh, to a certain degree. It'll be the so, first thing to go immediately. Yeah. yeah. Um, yep. and I know I've got a friend who works. He takes. He looks after the home shows at uh, Melbourne Exhibition Centre. Okay. And the things that they've had to do to really scale down, and, and you know, when the kid getting these different advisories of so many people need to have so many square meters of space, it's it's a constantly yep. changing thing, isn't it? And yeah, it the is. Guidelines it is. Always clear, um, and they're not always delivered in a timely manner. So. Yeah, it's, it's a really challenging thing to be a part of. But, I mean, like I said, man, you've entered a, probably the most difficult time in the game to enter. And I yeah. think that's going to do well for the future. I've got, um, I've got three points to touch on there. Uh, the first one is you should start going to gigs and drinking water because you'll put yourself in, a, in the right mindset. I'm not going to tell you what to do or advise to you what to do, young man. Listen well, here, young I man. I didn't hear what you said. I was saying you should practice going to events that you usually would go to in your loose phase and doing it from a bit more of a healthy perspective, you know, yeah. drink lots of water and dance. It's actually, you know, you can have quite a good time mm. at events. Just, just, I know I sound like a parent right yeah. now. And I am. I'll give that, I'll give that a whirl. I mean, I'll, I'll, no, have you to won't. I'll, I'll have to someone up for tickets. I mean, I don't really know anyone, but I'm sure I could find someone. I'll, I'll be able to swing you some tickets. Um, <laughs> and the other point... The other point to touch on is uh, it's interesting that you, you know, you're very business minded and you can see that because um, a lot of people did tell me and proceed to tell me that uh, I'm crazy for wanting to start a an event focused business in the middle of the situation that's happening right now. But I, I just see it as investing in a market that's currently down in its luck. That's that's kind of the way that I, that I see it. For me to be able to get in there, help and assist and do what I can to help this industry. You know, it's just my little corner of it. You know, I'm not I'm such a small thing in this huge industry, but if I can help out in some little way down here, hopefully it'll it'll reap dividends at the end. You know, um, it's, yeah, a little bit of support now that I can provide. Hopefully I can be providing a lot more support in the future when it all comes back. Um, and the third point is 
Interesting when you say the laws change, get this. I did this event, I won't name it um, or what state it was in, but we had this event where we had somebody come and perform at the gig. So they came and they sound checked, went back to their dressing room, um, and there happened to be, at the time, there happened to be an outbreak in the location where this person resided. So they came and did their sound check, went back to their dressing room. In between the sound check and the performance time, when they were in their dressing room, just outside the venue, the law changed. And that person could no longer enter a licensed premises because they were from a hotspot area, technically. So they went to the venue, sound checked, went to the green room, laws changed. They were stuck. They couldn't get, we had to cancel their performance, deep clean their gear, send them back to the hotel room, get a COVID test. Da, 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 da. But for me, that was just such a sign of like, this is what we're dealing with. This is how volatile it is. And this is why I get not direct or firm, but this is why I have to respond very clearly when people say to me, oh, mate, you know, it's great that events are coming back. I'm like, it's really cool that we are stepping on eggshells to get back a small slither of, you know what I mean? Like it's it, any second it could come tumbling down. So um, optimism. But, yeah, that's just one little example of a, of a little story of how things can change very quickly. Yeah, I think, you know, you said, you said that people people tell you crazy there. I'd probably agree with that, mate. You have to be you have wrong. to be crazy or or if not, just have a big pair of cojones to be able to put yourself into the world of business. Um, yeah, man. Nice, nice quick mute there. Um, you have to be, you know, and, and it's, it's the people that um, it's the people that think they can do these things and believe they can that are crazy enough to actually go forth and do them, you know. Um, people can sit there for a large portion of their life and think, oh, I could do that, maybe I should do that. And before you know it, life's passed you by and you've just done the monotonous same job like your whole yeah. life and you never set forth and you never went for the things that you wanted to do. And look, maybe you would have failed at them, but that, that, that for me, that not knowing, that would actually kill me quicker than not trying at all and failing multiple times. Definitely, man. I 100% agree with you. It's it's actually part of the reason why I started jujitsu is because I um, yeah, I just wanted to get fit and I just wanted to do it in a way that I found fun. And so I signed up to an MMA gym, just wanting to do kickboxing and stuff like that. Sam Haywood actually invited me there and said, "Oh, you should try Brazilian jujitsu." And I was like, "Nah, not really interested in that." But it was that same thing. If you don't try it, you won't know to tick it off and say, "I tried it and I didn't like it," and I tried it and like. Six years later, I'm obsessed with it. Oh, God, it's almost seven. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> Judge, let's get on to I'm a question. I, I love to ask every guest here because I get a different answer every time out of, you know, this is the 84th episode and almost every time I've asked this question. 84? This is 84 today, yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I know, from September, since September. So I'm cranking. Busy boy. I love it. I love it. I enjoy it and I get good feedback and look, it's not about me at all. I'm just here. I facilitate, I host it to inspire and educate other people and seems to do that every time. So I'll keep doing it until it stops doing that. How do you, bro, define the word hustle? And, you know, evidently you've got a hunger for it because of, of what we discussed today. So like, how would you kind of, how would you, how would you kind of what 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 how do you define the word hustle and what drives you hunger for it? I am um, I'm often hungry. I do a lot of jujitsu, so food's a big part of my life. I'm getting very hungry <laughs> for all the physical exertion. Hustle um, for me is a term. I guess I don't frequently use it, but it does often have financial connotations to it, um, which I don't necessarily personally 
you know what I mean? Uh, for me, someone that says like they're a hustler, uh, to me, it's more someone that just is busy, someone that is always striving and someone that's always wanting more. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean someone who's after money. I, I think there's a lot of people use the word in the, in the connotations for that. Oh, I should have looked up a, def a dictionary definition before coming on here. Maybe I'm wrong. But for me, my interpretation of it is, is someone that's just always busy and striving um, and, and focused. That's, that's kind of what I would consider someone to be a hustler. Um, I guess that's the that's the adjective form, but um, yeah, that's and I think having a hunger for for that kind of lifestyle is just someone who's very conscious that they need a busy brain, they need something to occupy themselves, and they also have a vision, something they want to obtain. So, um, I think that's probably the best way that I would define that outside of the dictionary definition of the word. Let's look yeah, it up. Have you, is there, hang on a second. Have you guys actually done this? Pass this thing first. No, 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 I'm racing. The race is on. I got it. I got it. To proceed or work rapidly or energetically. Look at this. Look at, so there's two verbs and there's one noun. A, there's two nouns. A state of great activity. See, right there. And the second one, a fraud or swindle. Jake, how <laughs> could you put me on a <laughs> podcast? Uh, isn't, that, isn't, that, isn't that brilliant? <laughs> even, even the dictionary definition gives... Two completely different. It really um, does, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah it is interesting. That's, that's now fantastic. you touched on something there, mate. You said that, and I agree with that. And I, it's someone who it, it's a, it drives me. You know, my hunger for the hustle is driven by my vision, my vision, my goals, my aspirations for a lot of things on multiple levels that I'm working towards. I'd love to know, like, some of your your kind of dreams and aspirations. I know it's still quite early for you in business, but did you have visions that you set from the start, or are you just kind of seeing how it pans out? Um, yeah, I, I do have some, some pretty strong visions for how I'd like things to go in the future. Um, some of which I'm happy to disclose publicly and others that I'm not, but I guess the, the main roadmap for, for what my old man is doing at the moment is probably the strongest roadmap for me. Um, I think he's, he's done things in a really good way. He's made mistakes in the past, but we all have. Um, and I think following his, his example, um, just being kind and generous to everyone that you can if, you, if you're in an advantageous position to help others out um, and just always being, you know, caring uh, and being successful at the same time is to me the best way forward. That, that to me is the best goal to strive towards and that's, that's something that, I, um, that I'd love to pursue even further. Did I even answer your question? Then I feel like I just rambled. Uh, no, you'll be right. You got it. Yeah, <laughs> you definitely answered the question, mate. You answered it in your own way, and uh, I think I think to your point that you know, um, emulating kind of as as particularly you know your dad's got into the, the I don't want to say the later part of his life, but, you know, he's he's an older gentleman now. He's focusing his stuff on on charity work, which is something that I'm all about as well. Even at 32, like I don't know if I've told told you about this, but I told you there's a book coming from this podcast. Um, and that there's, you know, multiple different authors, a bit of an anthology we're putting together, and that the proceeds of that are actually, the majority of the proceeds of that are going to a charity in Africa. So, you know. Oh, really? That's, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, a charity called The Giving Circle, and they build hospices and schools for children in Uganda. That Seriously? Otherwise just get, yeah, yeah. And that's um, a really good, like one of these really good, solid, genuine charities 
all voluntary. No, no stuff going on in the background where people are getting paid. Completely voluntary. The first one comes out. Well, oh, well, depends. It's pretty hard no, work. Give us a release short. date. Give it. Well, where's the release date? This is the thing. I can't publicly disclose a release date. <laughs> no, that's really cool, man. That's that's a really cool initiative. I'm I'm a big yeah. fan of that. I'm gonna I'll follow your progress on that. That's 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 yeah. amazing. Well, well done. Mate, look, there's even an opportunity for you to be able to submit a chapter at some point if you. I'd love you to if that's okay. I'm yeah. actually a bit of a writer myself. I, I write. Um, I do a lot of hi-fi stuff. Um, shout out to StereoNet. I do a lot of reviews for headphones. Um, for a hi-fi publication. So um, whilst I can't submit a headphone review because I don't think it's going to help much, I'd love to write something. I'm in for shooters, sure. mate. You, you can actually feature in the first one if you want, because I've just had someone cancel on me. Mate, I'll I'll take the silver medal. I'm more than happy to jump in there. <laughs> no, that's great. Well, no, I, thanks, I, man. That's a, that's, a, that's a big honor. I appreciate yeah, that. No, we'll we'll talk about that a bit more off camera. But yeah, please, yeah. please. I'm 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 Struggle, genuinely interested. Success. Everyone's writing about something that they've been through, come out the other side of, and what they've learned through it. So awesome. Yeah, no, awesome. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna leave a, a blank space in the back of each book so people can write their own chapters and send it into us and that'll keep the series going and it'll keep us being able to donate money to this really worthy That's really clever. Stuff. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I came up with that the other day when I was driving. I was like Gotta call the guy Michael I'm working on it with and tell him he was like that's a fantastic idea. Why did I that's think it's really cool? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's a really exciting project. It's um um, and it's yeah. The, the, I tell you what, there's going to be audio, audio, going to be an audio book as well, and everyone gets to record their own chapter. So um, that'd be yeah, something. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That anyway, sounds really good. I've got kind of very off topic there, but um, it's cool. You know, I love it. Got, I'm all for chance, it. I've got a chance to plug the book, which is always good. Um, <laughs> right, let's we get into the end of the episode. And I've had a good time with you, mate. Just like any other time, I'd hang out with you. It's just been too Likewise, bro. Um, but we have really dove into business and, and the ins and the outs of it, particularly in the events in industry, which is one that I, I can't really think, and maybe you'll be able to think of one, but I can't think of one that's been hit harder and, and that is constantly being abashed by all these different changing variations from the pandemic. Thanks, man. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I'm sure other industries are struggling, but this is the one that I've got the visibility on. So, mm. yeah, mm. it's good that I can share some of that, some of that pain. <laughs> that that my colleagues are experiencing. <laughs> so as I said, we're getting to the end of the episode, and I'd love to close out, Gen Z. If you've got, if you could give three hot tips to anyone that's watching this who's thinking about perhaps going from what they do working for someone else and starting out on their own, or just starting their own side hustle, you know, going from being an employee to an entrepreneur, what would those three tips be, mate? Uh, I haven't done my research on what the other people have said on this podcast. So I'm a bit worried that I'm going to repeat what they've said. Um, but I think touching on what we were saying before that if you, like, it sounds so generic to say this, but if you don't try, you never know. If you don't try and fail, you'll never know. And you really just got to hit that and give it a good old college try, as my mum would say, to, to really know if something's going to work or not. Um, Another tip that I would have is that there's a great book, I think it was Richard Carlson, um, called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Um, mm. And that book has, you know, I don't want to say changed my life, but there's a lot of stuff inside that book that um, has has helped me a great deal um, in my everyday dealings. Um, and the third thing would be for people to realise that, I guess people things can look really good on paper, on your spreadsheets, but you... It's all about the people running it. That's that's kind of the really important thing. So 
I'm not telling everyone to go out and start doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Maybe they should, but at least yeah. find find your version of it. Find your space, your meditation, you know, find the thing that levels you out because if you're coming to your business with a calm mind, if you've got that full gamut of human emotion that you're experiencing outside of your business so you don't need to bring it into your business, um, it's going to help you a lot. If you don't get emotional when something bad is happening, if you can deal with it calmly, that's going to help your business a lot, not just you. So that would be my third very drawn-out um, piece of advice that I would give to people. Um, but mind you, my businesses are still young. I haven't screwed them up yet. I might. So um, don't listen to me. Just, yeah, do do what you got to do. No, I think, I think they're great tips, man. I think if you can – it reminds me of a poem I actually have framed in, in my apartment that my mum bought me when I moved to Australia. And I can't remember it it's in, in its entirety, but it's by a man called Rudyard, Rudyard Kipling. And it says towards the end of it, if you can keep your head about you when all others are losing theirs, then one day you will be a man, my son. I think that's what it says, something about it. sounds right. It pertains to the last thing you said, right? You know, if you can keep your head when all around you are losing theirs, which is really something that you've you've managed to do in this time. I'm not sure. I'm sure there's been times when you've managed to lose it, as have I. It's been a challenge for us all. But you know, if you're in a situation where you can keep your cool and you can see through things instead of getting caught up in them and live from the inside out instead of the outside in, then you're going to win. You're going to be a winner in that situation. But to be able yeah. to do that. Also, what you said is you have to find something that levels you out, that's meditative for, sure. for you, whether it's cycling, whether it's boxing, whether it's baking cakes, whether it's planting in the garden. It doesn't matter what it is. What it is is irrelevant. It's the benefits and the effects of it that it gives you to live a harmonious, tranquil, and peaceful life and, and be able to deal with any situation when you don't even know um, what it is because, I mean, that's what we've been doing for almost uh, 12, 13, 14 months now. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right, man. Man, it's been great to chop it up with you. I appreciate you coming on and giving me your time on this fine Tuesday. I'm going to drop your links in the comments here so anyone who wants to get in touch with you or find out more about what you do and your businesses can find that. But do you just no, want to tell anyone who's listening back on the audio where the best place to find out and connect more with you and uh, anything you do is? Uh, you can find my coffee business online at beans to an end.com.au and the Instagram page for my gig business is gig.control. Yeah. I'll actually, you know what? I'll, I'll get a discount code going for, um, for anyone that's listening to the podcast if you want. So if anyone is out there is yeah. having a geese, then, uh, check, check the uh, comments and I'll, I'll cook something up. Awesome, yeah. I'll pop that in the show notes for everyone later. Well, nice. thanks for joining me and thank you for all you folks who are listening. Whatever platform you're listening on, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, or later on Spotify, I do appreciate you listening. If you found some value in the episode or you think you know someone who might, then share it with them. Give it a comment. Give it a like. That's how it grows. And it actually, it's your little way of helping someone else. So thanks for listening, everyone. Stay hungry and keep hustling. <laughs>